Turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 28. We're just going to take a brief break from Acts, but stay with the same human author, uh, Luke, as he shares with us the events that we are celebrating today, Palm Sunday. We're going to start reading in verse 28 through 44. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Back in 1985, some of you will remember 1985, uh, you will remember that uh, Tina Turner sang the theme song from a movie called Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome. Maybe not very many of you will remember that. But the chorus of that song uh, has these lyrics. It says, we don't need another hero. We don't need to know the way home. And the lyrics of that song express the idea that heroes are not necessary and ordinary people should strive to change things. The song is really a, a cry for autonomy and self-reliance. We don't need to depend on heroes to do things for us. We need to do it ourselves. The ironic thing about it is that the, the movie is about a hero, Max, and he comes and he saves the day. So it's a typical uh, hero type of movie. The song, though, expresses the human condition fairly well. Humans want to be autonomous and self-reliant. The problem is that we don't have the ability, our, uh, we are powerless to change ourselves to any radical degree, we do need a hero because we cannot change ourselves. Why do you think there's always a hero or heroine in all of our stories? It's stamped uh, upon our souls. It's part of creation. It's woven into the fabric of the universe. The story of creation and redemption, uh, the, the story of the universe 
is a story that involves a hero. And all of our hero stories, songs, uh, is because this is the story of all creation. It's stamped into our very beings. And of course, Jesus Christ is that ultimate hero who will one day literally ride in on a white horse and save the day at the end of the age. I want to look at Christ today uh, as he is described for us in this chapter and just pick up a few uh, things about him that are highlighted here that will encourage us to look to him as the ultimate hero, as our ultimate hero. Now at the beginning it tells us that Jesus sent his disciples uh, to go and to get uh, a colt, uh, a donkey, uh, uh, you know, less than a year old, on which no one has ever sat. Uh, this colt had not been used. You know, donkeys were um, were uh, widely used for transportation and as beasts of burden, but this particular one had never been sat upon, had never been used. He was too young and small. And this is important and symbolic. In the Old Testament, there are specific laws that are uh, that are about animals devoted to a sacred purpose. Uh, they are to be animals which have never been put to an ordinary use. For example, 1 Samuel 6-7, when the sacred Ark of the Covenant was being returned to Israel from Philistia, uh, from where it had been captured, it was stipulated that the animals transporting the Ark of the Covenant must have never been yoked before. The ark, of course, uh, was sacred, and therefore the animals transporting the ark were to be sacred as well. They had never done any normal work of an animal. They were set apart for this special task to transport the sacred ark. Well, Jesus Christ is holy. He's set apart for a special use. The people are welcoming him as the promised Messiah, as the king. Uh, verse nine, or verse later in the chapter tells us that they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, quoting Psalm 118 that we uh, had uh, just read. But we know the rest of the story, that Jesus rides into Jerusalem not to take up rule there, but to die in the place of sinful people like you and me. He is the supreme holy sacrifice for sin. And he's coming to Jerusalem for this sacred purpose. And it is appropriate that he is carried into Jerusalem on a colt set apart to transport him. Now on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And when God gave Moses the specifications for the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, he told him in Exodus 25... Uh, you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you. So this was the, the meeting place between uh, the representative for God's people, the high priest, and God. How can we meet God today? Through the mediation of Jesus Christ the curtain that separated the Ark of the Covenant from the rest of the temple was torn in two when Jesus was crucified so that anyone could go into God's presence. That was a symbolic uh, event. 
We meet Christ through uh, the one uh, mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy. So it's appropriate that the ark was carried by sacred animals. It is even more appropriate that Jesus Christ is carried by a sacred animal because he is the holy savior. He is the holy sacrifice for sin, riding in to lay down his life for us. Now, if he has done this for us, then what should our response to his grace be? We should be colts for Christ. We should be devoted totally and exclusively to his service, like this little donkey, to be used by him to further his agenda, not our own, to be holy as he is holy. So riding in on that colt that has never been ridden on is a reminder that Jesus is special. He's riding in for a sacred purpose. And the fact that he rides in at all points us to his person and character. Jesus is majestic. He is a king, but he's a humble king. And that's the second thing that we see. Jesus is the humble king. You see that Jesus has already walked all the way to Jerusalem except for the the, the last two miles. That's when he decides to ride in on a colt. Uh, there were no airplanes at the time, so he couldn't zoom in on an airplane like we we're hearing this morning. Uh, so he's going to ride in on this colt. Why? Why? Is, is, since he's walked already uh, good ways. And that is the reason why is because that is the position of a dignitary. That is how kings and generals entered cities when they had won in battle. Uh, they would ride in with an entourage to the cheers of the people. The conquering hero admired by the throng. It's kind of the equivalent of a ticker tape parade in New York City where we honor people who are our heroes and leaders. But Jesus puts a twist on this theme. Instead of riding in on a white stallion like most commanders and, and leaders, he rides in uh, on a colt, a donkey less than a year old. Uh, so, it's a, so it's an undersized donkey at that, a little donkey. Uh, hardly a, a kingly means of transportation. It's kind of like having a ticker tape parade and you're the honored uh, person uh, in New York and you're riding on a moped. Uh, it's a, kind of a funny scene that uh, we see here. But what Jesus is doing here is he juxtaposes a triumphant riding with a humble and lowly means of transportation. And what does this mean? Well, this king comes to make peace, not war. To reconcile, not to divide. To save, not to kill. He comes to suffer. He comes to serve with humility and in weakness. He rides in to die. Therefore, he rides in on this colt. Now, make no mistake, Jesus is riding in to conquer, but to conquer death and hell and sin. But he does it through laying down his own life. He doesn't wield a sword. Rather, he has pierced himself by the sword. Now what does this mean for you and me? Jesus is the king who comes in weakness. Therefore, to enter his kingdom, you can only do so through repentance and admitting your need. And it is lived out as you give yourself to others out of knowing His grace and His mercy and His humility. He is our humble King 
and to be his loyal subjects means that there is no room for human pride and self-righteousness. As he said, a slave is not greater than his master. If Jesus came to serve and to give his life for others, then his followers must follow suit, must do the same. Now, as we mentioned before, Jesus will ride in on a fine white horse. Revelation 19 talks about uh, the, the, the John's vision when he sees the heaven open. And behold, a white horse and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And it goes on and describes this, this great scene, this great battle at the end of all time. Now we, at this point in, uh, in the uh, epic of Christianity in which we are in, we are dealing with the humble king uh, on the colt. We don't want to be at the end of time having to deal with the rider on the white horse. We don't want to be on the wrong side uh, of his kingdom. One day he will return in strength and might, and then it will be too late to repent and humble yourself before this humble king. Jesus is inviting you now to be his friend, to be his child. So humble yourself now before this meek king, If you do, you will begin to sense and feel the healing touch of our healing Lord, which is our third point. Jesus is the healing Lord. Now, I've not spent a lot of time around horses or donkeys. Uh, Some of you you have, I know, uh, especially horses. But I have uh, watched cowboy movies, and so I I know that any time you have a, a movie featuring cowboys and horses, you see there's the inevitable scene where uh, someone has to break the horse, you know, to, to be the first to ride it and to get the, the, the horse used to, to, uh, to uh, doing what it's there for, to have a human rider on the back. And, you know, it's not uh, something that the horse enjoys or appreciates when, uh, when the cowboy jumps on the back of the horse. So when Jesus has this little donkey who has never uh, been sat upon, uh, you know, that's something. Because mounting a young colt which has never been ridden would have normally be, be difficult enough, but then to, to ride this donkey into a throng of cheering people who were waving palm branches and shouting. Now, humanly speaking, there's no way that any human rider could simply jump up on the animal and have it carrying through that crowd into the city. But this little donkey has no ordinary rider. His rider is the Lord of nature. The one who controls the wind and the waves. The one who changes water to wine, who multiplies loaves and fishes and gives sight to the blind. This is the one who will return and completely heal all of nature of the curse put on it after Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. That day spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The wolf shall dwell with a lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. 
The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That is why at the rebuke of the Pharisee, Jesus says, I tell you, if these were silent, these people shouting, then the very stones would cry out. See, in fact, Paul tells us in Romans that creation groans, longing for that day when Christ returns and peace and harmony return to nature that was broken. George Whitfield said something one time to the effect, great uh, preacher from the 1700s said, animals run away from us humans because they know we are at war with their master. They know we are at war with their Lord. Now I wonder if this little colt did not know and love his true master for who he is, the Lord of nature. Maybe, maybe that's why he didn't uh, you know, take off when Jesus mounted his back. He knew the one who is the Prince of Peace. That would make that donkey smarter and wiser than most of us. How much trouble we have submitting to the will of Christ. The donkey is a great example for us. To be used by Christ, to serve Him in such a way, humbly, without uh, any objection whatsoever. Now the account here closes with Jesus affirming this very thing as he weeps over Jerusalem. He looks out across uh, the city and he begins to weep and says, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Bad things are going to happen in Jerusalem in a few decades. Because, as he says, they did not know the time of their visitation. They did not understand uh, Christ and his purpose in coming. Well, will we be like creation, like this little donkey, like the stones? Or will we be like Jerusalem? Will we uh, affirm that Jesus is our Lord and our Master and submit to our humble King? Or will we reject him like the citizens of Jerusalem did just shortly after shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Their cries turn to crucify him. You know, we need a hero. We need a hero to worship and follow. We're built for that. And, and the hero that we're looking for, that you're looking for, is this Jesus Christ. He's the one. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the only way that we can do that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ, the ultimate hero. Why don't you cry out to Him and submit to Him? And give Him your life, like that little donkey uh, offered His services and life to the King. Let's pray together.